Welcome to the Fully Engaged Fitness Podcast, where you'll be hearing from the top fitness experts from the engaged personal training community of businesses. These include client interviews and success stories, insights and tips from our top fitness experts, and the unique approach that we bring to our clients that have helped transform thousands of lives over the last 10 years in business. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast so that you can be the first one in the know. Now let's get into this episode. Okay, welcome to the Fully Engaged Podcast. I am Jeff Schumacher, your host today and co-founder of Engaged Personal Training. I'm joined today by Jenny Friedman. Jenny, thanks for hopping on and joining us today. Before we get rolling, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into uh, wellness and nutrition, You know your experience as a registered, registered dietitian and kind of what you're up to now? Definitely. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So my name is Jenny Friedman. I'm a registered dietitian. I have kind of dubbed myself a picky eating expert. Um, I'm also an author and I'm a mom of two um, little boys. So I, you know, really got into this because I like to eat. I love food. I like cooking. You know, I'm like a food, food is a big part of my life. Um, So that was my initial entry into nutrition. And I initially kind of thought, you know, um, when I was starting in grad school that I wanted to help, you know, raise the next generation of kids who eat well, you know, who can like trust their bodies and, you know, just have like these good diets. Um, And I've taken me a long, you know, a long path to get to where I am now. I worked in clinical nutrition for a while and outpatient nutrition in hospitals, um, while on the side, I was always working sometimes with adults and mostly with kids and their parents. So I worked with kids with autism, um, kind of taking the food as medicine approach. Let's see how to really optimize diet to help these kids feel their very best and quickly saw that um, these, you know, there were these very real reasons to why these kids could not eat, you know, a nutritious balanced diet. Um, and so that got me down the road of kind of what I'll call picky eating, although it's really something more than that. And now I work with kids with these eating challenges, kind of extreme picky eating who, um, you know, really struggle to eat a balanced diet. And Jeff, something I know we'll be talking about is that has a huge impact on the whole family. It takes a big toll on parents. Um, so it's, I happen to enjoy it and I understand from personal experience in my work, what a challenge this can be. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's great. I, I kind of was stumbled upon your content through a, uh, one of my friends who's who's actually uh, a dietitian um, with kids the same age as as my kids, and she sent it to my wife, and we looked at it, and I was like, "This is awesome." I mean, I have a I have a two year old daughter, and so we're kind of like in the thick of like sending her to to daycare, and like every week, it's like, "What are we going to send her? What? How can we start introducing new foods?" and and all this stuff. So I'm partially, you know, bringing you on for my own selfish reasons, but also to share what you do with, with our members, because I think it's, it's super cool. And I think it's a, a really cool niche that you have developed that I don't think many people know is, is even out there. So um, with that said, you know, many of our members at our engaged locations are parents. um, And whenever we talk to them about nutrition and what like a normal week looks like, you know, more often than not, they bring up their struggle with healthy eating, you know, as an entire family, you know, maybe they make multiple meals for their kids, or they make a different meal for, um, you know, themselves or themselves and their spouse. And by the time they put everything together, 
the quality of the meals is just not there because they're trying to make four meals and, you know, the quality, obviously, you know, you're, you're kind of sacrificing quality for, for the time you have. Um, so again, that's another reason why I figured we connect because um, I think your content will help uh, our members kind of with some basic steps. Um, so I guess my first question is, where would you tell someone to start, you know, if they wanted to get their family, but namely their kids, you know, on board with um, a new way of eating, let's just say different than, than what they're doing right now. Kind of what, what's the starting point that you recommend for, for parents? Yeah, great question. So for this, you know, if there's something, um, and I work with the families who I work with, we talk about this a lot. Um, if you're changing anything about like the mealtime routine or experience, you know, depending on your kid's age, I think it's helpful to kind of give like a heads up, you know, call a family meeting, like, hey guys, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently from now on. You know, I know that you are used to me making you mac and cheese every night, I can't do that anymore, you know, um, so you can let them know what's going to change and also what's staying the same. You will still always have a food that you like at the table. We will still always be eating as a family. You can still always have dessert. You still always get to, you know, say yes or no. I'm never going to make you eat something that you don't like to eat. You know, lay out all the things that are staying the same. And the things that are different and, you know, the more that you can kind of relate it to them, include them, you know, this is so everybody can feel better. Or this is so we all have more time. So you get more screen time at the end of the day, or we can spend more time reading together. Or so you just have a happier mommy at the end of the day, you know, mm -hmm. like just kind of relating it back to why this is happening. Get their input as well. You know, depending on the kid's age, it just, nobody likes to feel like this is all happening to them. And at the end of the day, like, you know, they just want to have a good experience with foods that they like as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's great. And one of the, the other things that I've seen with um, your content, namely on, on Instagram is changing the approach with some of the traditional things that maybe our parents told us when we were kids, where it's, you know, you can't, dinner's not done. So you eat your vegetables or you can't get, you know, can't do this until you do this, or, you know, you can't, you know, have this until you do this and, and you share some like interesting, if this, then this, that's a little bit more practical to, uh, you know, I think a psychologist would probably say the better approach to, to, to do it than, than our parents did. Um, are there some easy, like, again, go to uh, phrases that you use uh, with your, with your clients to help their kids um, kind of uh, make these th th decisions when it comes to, um, you know, what they need to eat each each night? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing that, you know, is kind of the a commonly accepted way to feed kids these days, it's called the division of responsibility of feeding. I didn't make it. But um, it the idea behind it is that we as parents or, you know, the providers, the, the grownups are providing the meal and deciding kind of what we're providing the meal and the structure. So we're saying, you know, dinner is around six o'clock. Um, we eat at the table and this is the menu tonight. I always say that we need to have a preferred food for our kids. It's not fair for them to show up and like, you know, be expected to eat, you know, something crazy that they don't eat. Um, but then it's up to our kids to decide if they're going to eat and how much they're going to eat. So yeah, a lot of us grew up, you know, 
Um, you need to finish your broccoli before you have dessert or you have to take 10 bites or we have to clear the plate. You know, there are starving children in Africa. And that's not really what we recommend anymore, um, especially for kids who, you know, who I work with who have kind of those more sensitivities with foods. Instead, like it's up to them. They know their body. They can decide if they need more food, not more food. You know, you can check, have them check in. Like, how's your body doing? Where are you feeling full? Is there a full feeling? You know, kitchen is closed after this, so make sure you're done eating. Um, you know, those sorts of things to kind of put the agency in them and to get them, you know, to give them like some control and say, um, give them choices whenever possible um, and keep them the same. You know, you're not asking, do you want cookies or broccoli? Because we know what they're going to pick, you know, but do you want broccoli or string beans tonight? You know, do you want the green apple or the red apple? Um, kind of giving them two like equivalent choices to pick from is really helpful. And any sort of involvement that our kids can have, whether it's setting the table, helping with the menu. Um, you know, my son, who's also two-ish, likes to um, put out the placemats sometimes. You know, and they they are it's not a good placemat job, but he feels <laughs> like he's excited to come to the table with us. Um, so, you know, that is a good um you know, a good help having kids serve also at the table, like kind of do family style and they can take the big spoon and, and put it on their own plate um, can be something that's fun for really a lot of ages of kids, you know, a pretty wide age range there. Yeah. Just making them part of the decision-making process and like, you know, the, the steps. I think that's, I think that's cool. Um, another thing, you know, that I know I fall victim to, and we hear from our members all the time is that we kind of just get stuck in, in a pattern of like um, safe foods or easy foods or, or whatever, and kind of just get stuck in this rut where, you know, you're eating the same things every, every night or every week. Like, how do you, how would you recommend, you know, introducing now that, you know, you've gone over steps of here's how we're going to change, you know, the, the structure of, of our meals. Here's how we can get you involved in our meals. How would you change like introducing a, a new food? You know, is there a strategy instead of like, you know, changing everything at once? Is there a strategy to the kind of like layer in new foods um, to kind of build on that to, to, you know, create like a more diverse palate? Totally. Um, you know, and to go back, serving the same thing over and over, not a problem. I, you know, and like, I get there, I feel like we all have this thing of like, oh, it's the same stuff, or I don't know what to make. But one of the strategies that I recommend actually is kind of having these like core meals that you can go to, you know, have 10 of them. So you've got two, two weeks worth, you can always veer from that. Um, but kind of having this core and kind of knowing, um, you know, just knowing what you're doing and how to add on for that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's really helpful. But when we are introducing new foods, I mean, so many ways. Um, but yeah, start small. Maybe a whole meal isn't the best way. You know, you put an entirely new meal on your kid's plate. That can be really overwhelming. If there's one new food for them on their plate or at the table, that can be more approachable. Um, but there's, you know, a ton of ways. So getting them involved in, again, the cooking process, you know, like, oh, broccoli is a new food for us. Okay. Hey, come help me chop this. Um, just asking them about, you know, kind of what they notice, sparking some conversation. You can use descriptive words to describe, you know, the broccoli and the food that you're seeing. Invite them, you know, what do you notice about this food? Tell me how that's looking for you. Um, how does this feel in your hands? You know, it feels really this way in mine. These open-ended questions can be a good way to just like break the ice sort of for these foods. 
Um, and then we can think about, you know, really when you're at the table, what are you going to do? You can continue that conversation um, for, you know, kids who are a little bit older, um, you know, like, oh, I wonder, you know, where the broccoli grew up and how it got here to this this plate. Um, you know, you're not asking them to eat it. You're not requiring the bite, but often just sparking that conversation. You also, you know, can't underestimate the power of role modeling um, and sometimes of not offering food. Like my son just got home from school, um, you know, and asked what I was doing. I said, I'm finishing up lunch and I had some hummus and sugar snap peas, um, you know, and he immediately, I want them. I want to dip where, you know, and just me having it, he, you know, was enough for him to want it. And that's amazing. So sometimes you can just model it yourself. You don't even have to offer. And even you're not offering sort of the thing that's like, ooh, this is off the table. Everybody else is having that. That sounds great. Like, can't I have some? So all of those, you know, and there's so, so, so much more. I could talk about this for, for days. But those <laughs> I'm sure. Start with um some really good basics, you know, and the, at, like the foundation of all of this or the kind of the thing unifying all of this is that we are like putting it in their hands that, you know, the choice is up to them. We're not pressuring, we're not requiring, we're kind of setting them up for success and boosting their curiosity, but we're not, you know, it's not top down. It's really coming from them. Right. I love that. I love that approach because it's not, you're kind of teaching, teaching them. Here's how, why we're making these decisions and here's how this food, you know, I don't know if you could, if you would go as far as like, here's how this food impacts us versus this food. This gives us more energy versus, versus this, but it's not that top-down approach of we're doing it because I said so. It's like, we're doing this because this food is, you know, gives us energy, you know, help us, you know, it makes you, you know, your brain function better or whatever. I think that's, that's a really cool, cool approach. And it's, it's, it almost, uh, for our adult clients, it almost um, helps them kind of, reiterate why they are, you know, eating this food too, you know? Um, so that was cool. Yeah. And that's a whole thing that you can do too. Like, Hey, you know, like mommy's been going to the gym, daddy's been, you know, working out. We want the whole family to be really healthy, have more energy. We're looking forward to summer and we're going to be running around and playing. We want to have energy. So, you know, and that's like a good way to, we're all in this together and that feels nice for them. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So uh, another concern not concerned, but another like roadblock roadblock a lot of times is snacking, right? Always, always being on the go. A lot of our members have kids that are of like the age where they're playing travel sports or they're doing like a ton of activities after school. They're just always, um, always on the go. Uh, is there anything, and this is probably multiple questions here, but as far as like snacks on the go, any simple ingredients that that you would look for or any like tips on on how to identify what is considered like a a, a go-to uh, healthy alternative when when families are, are on the move or on the go yeah so you know a snack it's confusing because it sounds really different from a meal but when we are thinking about something that is you know think about the purpose of a snack you kind of think of two reasons one is like a fun snack and the other is like a nutritive snack it's filling our bellies um there's room for both but I feel like you know kids who are on the go and they're in sports and when they really need a snack they need something that's filling their bodies and then I want you to think of it the same way you would a meal it should be balanced with protein fat fiber as much as those as you can get maybe something green or a fruit or a vegetable 
That is perfect. So, um, you know, if you need a filling snack, you know, like a sandwich is a great thing to do. Half a sandwich, whole sandwich, depending how old your kids are. Um, but if you, you know, and, and kind of moving away from that idea that a snack needs to be something that comes in a package and like, it's kind of a fun food. There's again, certainly room for that. And those are great, but we don't, you know, that's not the only type of snack that exists. Um, you know, and it's, it's personal to some extent for everybody. I tend to look at protein, fiber, and sugar. I don't want a ton of added sugar. I look at the ingredients. I don't want a ton of ingredients. I especially don't want ones that are like funky that you can't name that like maybe shouldn't be in there. Um, I'm big on the sugar. So, you know, personally, mm -hmm. my family, like are the first three ingredients sugar, I don't want it. Um, and you know, when we instead are focusing on like protein, fat and fiber, those are foods that will fill us and take us a little bit further. Yeah, that's great. And, and, and sticking with that, you know, meal structure, um, can you kind of go through a little bit of a breakdown of, of maybe some options for like a, a breakfast and a lunch that are uh, more in line with, you know, a meal that is, has protein that has fiber versus, you know, for breakfast, we have cereal and for lunch, we have a sandwich. And for this, you know, we, we, we talk with our members about, you know, how to prioritize the proteins and how to prioritize healthy fats and, and how to minimize processed sugars and processed carbs and everything like that. Um, for a child, how do we kind of incorporate that? You know, when, when maybe they're used to just having cereal for breakfast, how, you know, what, what's a structure that you would lay out for a breakfast and lunch? Yeah. So, um, you know, same sort of thing. And it's really up to us to provide, you know, to put that out there for them. And again, it doesn't have to be changing what they're having. It can just even be an addition and you can start to even kind of wean some things away, like offer the egg and the full cereal is there and then slowly change it up. Um, you know, cereal is not a terrible breakfast. You do want to be looking at the sugar content and, you know, fiber too, like kids cereals or everybody's cereals are full of sugar. <laughs> You can always mix, you know, like some Cheerios with some Fruit Loops and then you're, um, you know, balancing it out a little bit. Um, you know, and I, I struggle with this because I feel like all we eat is cheese and peanut butter and eggs, but yeah. you know, three good ones that you can have at breakfast. Yogurt is great. Even a glass of milk is a wonderful thing. Um, they're getting some protein there and that's perfect. Um, you know, and kids do like there's, you know, nothing wrong with carbs, especially for the kids that fills your belly, um, you know, and is really satisfying. So they need that too. Um, you know, sandwiches, yogurts, those are really good kid-friendly, usually kid-friendly options. You can even think, okay, my kid won't eat a sandwich. Well, they eat pancakes with some peanut butter maybe, or like peanut butter on the side. Um, you know, peanut butter if it's from like a fun, you know, like a little packet that might be a little bit more fun. So mm -hmm you know, kind of getting creative and going with what your child likes, but always, yeah, but, if you can, pairing, getting those in, you know. And right. The, those are good strategies. Um, and, and something that we tried is, you know, there's a lot of applesauce that gets eaten in our house. And we've tried to add like flax seeds into, into the applesauce and kind of, you know, I, I love what you said is like mixing the fruit loops with Cheerios or, or some kind of plain cereal where you can kind of you're not removing, right? You're just kind of incorporating a different um, variety as well. Um, is there any other like 
go-to subs like that that you that you advocate for people? I mean, the cereal one was really good. Anything else that people can put into action, you know, with with what their kids are already eating? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, pasta is a good one where you can do that with. You can mix in, um, you know, even sauces or like mac and cheese. You can boost those. You can boost some sauces. You might want to be upfront about it. Some kids will really have a hard time if they know that you've like, quote unquote, ruined their, you know, their their favorite food. Um, but sauces are a great way where you can incorporate, you know, a little bit of meat, a little bit of protein. Um, you know, some people like to cook their pastas in bone broth, um, something like that, or, you know, cooking oatmeal and milk. Um, chia seeds are a good one. And yeah, like a ground, you know, a ground chia, ground flax, that stuff can be really great. And like, not too, you know, not too conspicuous. Um, so you want to think about things like that mixing. I have a lot of families who the kids eat Nutella, so we can slowly work some peanut butter in there. Um, yeah, sm you know, smoothies are a good opportunity if your kid's eating that. Mm -hmm. where you stuff in. We make popsicles a lot here, so it can be, it's basically a smoothie, um, you know, but you can make it into an ice pop and that, you know, is is really fun. And it's just, you can throw in veggies, you can throw in the chia seeds, the, you know, peanut butter, healthy fats, avocado in there too. Um, so lots of, yeah, there's a lot of options. That's great. Um, I think kind of, uh, wrapping this up and putting a, putting a bow on it, you know, is what are, and we talked about some tips in the beginning, but, um, kind of in, in order to put this stuff in action, you know, we, we talk a lot of, with our members about meal prepping and kind of prepping for the week. Are there anything, uh, any tips that you could, um, share with people to kind of, um, get the ball rolling on this stuff. Any, any actionable things that they could, um, you know, start as soon as next week? Yeah. I mean, it is, and I struggle with this like big time. We've got a three month old here and the two year old, you know, like everybody needs to go to bed and eat at the same time. And it's, it's chaos, you know, so, you know, I'm big on being gentle with yourself and starting one little thing at a time. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you've got a family meal and you feel like you're making several, I want you to take a step back and kind of break things down. Everybody doesn't need to have their most favorite, special, wonderful food every single meal. Um, you know, and kind of think, okay, we've got like a core meal, we've got a pasta, we've got a chicken, you know, it's like, I, I kind of think if you can put it in, in buckets of themes, you know, it's Italian night. So maybe you're having, um, you know, a, a protein, some veggies, and then because it's Italian night, you've got pasta on the side, it's plain, there's red sauce, there's whatever, you know, kind of mixing and matching little pieces. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's soup night, and there's a little something for everybody there, even if it's just bread for your kids or, you know, plain, whatever, plain little something on the side. So you can really think about this core meal that's going to make you feel good and then how you can incorporate some, you know, sides and little things for your kids or the rest of the family. That's how I like to think about it. It's not super, super quick. None of this is. If it were super quick and easy, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, but, you know, sometimes just give, getting a new way to think about it can give you some new ideas and a renewed, um, you know, energy for it. Right. I think that's a good point. It's, it's not this, none of this is going to happen quickly. Uh, you're going to obviously get pushback and it's going to be something that is going to take some, some practice. So um, I'll, I'll kind of end with, with a couple just random questions. We, I always ask people um, just kind of get to know you a little bit more. Uh, 
when you're driving to to work or going anywhere, you listen to to music, or you listen to a podcast. Oof, I never drive anymore. I live in the city. Um, and I oh, work, nice. I do a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm I become a podcast girl. In the, in the car, I always have to have something. I need noise, but walking around, even just in the house, I do a lot of podcasts and audiobooks these days. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, you touched on books. What what are you what are you reading? What are you listening to right now? Oh, I never remember. Okay, so I just started um like my fun nighttime book is Book Lovers. Um it's been like a big I've resisted for a long time. It's been a big Okay. Pop. What am I listening to? Um This is a good one. It is called I think it's 167 hours. It's an old book. Um but it is about um, kind of time management stuff, 168, because that's how many okay. hours. So it's 168 hours um, by, I think her name is, it's Laura Vanderkam. I'm listening to this for the second time, and it's a good read about kind of time and prioritizing um, the things that are important to us and fitting them all in. That's cool. Do you, do you, do you consume a lot of like professional development and personal development books? I, yes. Yeah, yeah, I, that's kind of kind of my go-to as well. And last one, it, you're obviously a big reader, so maybe you might not have a recommendation here, but any TV recommendations, anything you're watching? Yes, we just started. This is good because usually it's no. We just started shrinking um, with, oh, what's his name? He's tall. Um, I don't even know what, what it's on. Maybe I after. Heard that. Um, it's good. What's this guy's name? Um, <laughs> I can't think of it now, but it's called Shrinking. It's a fun, it's like a fun show and it's the first Jason one. Jason Siegel. Yeah, thank you, Jason Siegel. He's tall. Okay. Yes, he is. Yeah. It's All cool right. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. If people wanted to find out more about you, how could they find you? How can they buy your book? What What can they do to, to learn more? Yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram. It's at feeding picky eaters. Um, my website will keep it simple is feeding picky eaters.com. Um, we also have my book there as well. It's available everywhere. The books are sold. It is called stories of extreme picky eating. So it's, it's about these kiddos who I work with and, um, you know, every, about everybody. So there's something for, you know, feeding the whole family in there too. So yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And can, can families work with you? How do you, how do you work as far as? Yeah. So I do, I have um, two online programs, which is really wonderful because you get this like wonderful community component. So I have one for bigger kids and one for little kids, the toddler program for little kids will be opening up in April um, or May actually. So soon um, I do also work with some families one-on-one -on -one, um, in a VIP coaching program. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, Jenny, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And um, this was great. I know for me, selfishly, I learned a lot that uh, I'm going to put into action tonight at dinner. Can't wait. Keep me posted. All right. Thanks. Yeah.